engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening, it's 5.09. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. Welcome, my friends. Welcome, indeed. There is a lot of news percolating out there regarding the Robert Mueller investigation. And interestingly enough, uh, the president's pardon of Joe Arpaio appears to be affecting this. Well, and it's not so much even the the Arpaio. I shouldn't say that. It it is the saber-rattling by the Trump administration in the past several weeks over pardoning anyone and anything involved in the Mueller investigation and then him pardoning Joe Arpaio. That's causing problems for him now. Why? Well, because we now know today that Robert Mueller, the special counsel, the former FBI director, has teamed up with New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who is a liberal activist attorney general. Uh, And together they are bringing pressure to bear on Paul Manafort, uh, hoping to get Paul Manafort to to fess up to things. In fact, NBC News is reporting today Paul Manafort's notes from the controversial Trump Tower meeting with the Russians during the 2016 presidential campaign included the word donations near a reference to the Republican National Committee. Two sources briefed on the evidence told NBC News the references not previously disclosed elevated the significance of the June 2016 meeting for congressional investigators. It is illegal, you should know, for foreigners to donate to American elections. So why did he include in his notes the word donations? We're also learning today that one of the Russians who met with uh, the Trump campaign team has testified under oath to the FBI. This individual has become a an American citizen over time, now in the United States. He used to work for um, intelligence gathering and, and propaganda campaigns within the KGB. Uh, left Russia, became an American, has continued to work with Russia, uh, at least some allege, and has now gone under oath with the FBI. So the FBI is trying to bring pressure on Paul Manafort to further disclose information what's happening. This is why the Eric Snyderman investigation is significant. Is Some of you already know the answer to this. The President of the United States has no pardon power on a state crime. So, yeah, you see where this is headed. See, Robert Mueller, if he were to indict Paul Manafort, the president could just pardon Paul Manafort. In fact, the president, we've got the precedent set By the Richard Nixon situation, Gerald Ford gave Richard Nixon a pardon. He didn't have to admit his guilt. He didn't have to do anything. He was pardoned. I mean, by accepting the pardon, it was a tacit acknowledgement of his guilt. He never went to trial. He was never actually charged. He was an unindicted co-conspirator. And the president's pardon just nipped it all in the bud. So what we've got here now is the FBI realizing they can't stop the president from pardoning. What they can do is they can give their information to the New York attorney general. 
And if the New York Attorney General sees that a crime was committed in New York, well, then the New York Attorney General can charge Paul Manafort, Eric Trump, Donald Trump Jr., the President of the United States, whoever, with a crime. And the President can't touch him. The President can't pardon him. That's why the it was it was really amateur hour for the White House to begin saber rattling some time ago that the president was thinking of just pardoning anyone and everyone related to the investigation. That provided Robert Mueller all the incentive he needed to get the Attorney General of New York involved. And you're wondering what crime happened that the New York Attorney General could prosecute? Well, so. Any crime that occurred, occurred in New York City, based on what they're looking at for Manafort. Uh, Trump Tower in New York City, the meeting happened in New York City. Uh, if there was, uh, let's just hypothetical, a, a hypothetical situation here. Paul Manafort involved in a conversation in a conspiracy to funnel foreign donations into an American political campaign for president. Well, the American political campaign for president appeared on the ballot of the state of New York. It is not a federal ballot. It is a state ballot. Each state presides over its own balloting, its own election. So if Paul Manafort tried to get the Russians to provide campaign donations to the race of a candidate for an office in New York state, that would be the president of the United States running on the New York ballot, trying to get the votes of the New York Electoral College. Well, that would be illegal under New York state law and federal law. Remember, there's federalism and crimes in this country. You can be charged under federal law and state law for the same incident. If, for example, let's say you, let's say you, I mean, I, I'm, I'm using wild card hypothetical here, just excuse me. Let's say you assassinate a congressman. Well, maybe not you, someone does. James o. Hodgkinson. James Hodgkinson, a, an attempted assassination of a member of Congress. Well, James Hodgkinson tried to kill someone in Virginia. Attempted murder is a crime in Virginia. Had he lived, he could be charged with a crime in Virginia. But it is also against the law to attempt to take the life of a member of Congress at the federal level. There is a federal law. You know, that's, by the way, that's why um, why Lee Harvey Oswald was arraigned in, um, in the Dallas County Jail in Dallas, Texas. Uh, at the time when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, there actually was not a federal law prohibiting the assassination of an elected official, believe it or not. Now, there was no federal crime involved. There were no federal charges to be filed against Lee Harvey Oswald. It was all state-level charges. It was only after the Kennedy assassination in 1963 that Congress made it against federal law to attempt to or to take the life of an elected federal official. So you can be charged with a state law and a federal law, and the president can pardon the federal law, but the president can't pardon the state law. It, it is not double jeopardy. Double jeopardy is being charged um, with the same crime by the same government twice. Um, you, you can't be found guilty by a jury of a crime, and the new evidence turns up to show that you were guilty and you're tried again. Th that can't happen in this country. That's double jeopardy. You're, you're not allowed to. Even if, let's say you go out tomorrow and you kill someone, 
and you are charged with that crime and you are tried by a jury of your peers and you are found not guilty. Once you're found not guilty, you can go before the cameras and tell everyone in the world, yes, in fact, you really did do it. And they can't try you again for that crime, even though you've confessed, because the jury's already found you not guilty. They, they can't try you again. That would be double jeopardy, but it only applies to the state. What could happen then is the federal government could come in and say, well, you violated that person's civil rights and you just admitted it, and the federal government charges you with something. There are two governments involved, and double jeopardy only applies to one government doing something twice. By getting Eric Schneiderman in because the president's team has made it an open secret that the president was going to pardon everyone, the Mueller investigation has now precluded the president from being able to pardon some of these people. Not because they're going to be charged with a federal crime, but because they may be charged with a New York crime over which the president's pardons have no bearing. Now, why are they doing this to Paul Manafort? There is a reason they are doing this to Paul Manafort, and it has everything to do with the president and his family. And I will give you those details when we come back. Well, almost 26 after the hour, 25 and 56 seconds. How about that? Uh, Phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Y'all, I'm going to tell you a story, and it is a true story. And you're going to think I'm telling you a story from The Onion, but I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you a true story. The University of Mississippi at Oxford, Mississippi, they were having an interfraternity retreat. It was actually a Greek retreat, fraternities and sororities. They were going off to discuss racial healing and racial reconciliation and whatnot, and they were um, it, it, they were going to leave campus for a weekend and do this. Well, a fraternity member was eating a banana, and he could find no trash can to throw his banana peel. So he threw it up in a tree. And a sorority sister from a sorority saw it and was convinced someone had made some sort of racial connotation by putting a banana peel in a tree. And in order to have a safe space for the students affected by the banana peel being in the tree, they have canceled the retreat, the Greek retreat at the University of Mississippi because of the banana peel in the tree that was only there because a fraternity member could find no trash can to, so he threw it up into the tree to get it out of the way so no one would step on it and trip. No, I'm not making this up. I wish I was making this up, but no, I'm not. Even at a place like the University of Mississippi, the precious little snowflakes that they, they they cannot tolerate it. My goodness gracious! <sighs> you can't make this stuff up. That reminds me. Yesterday, I read you all the Babylon Bee story. Uh, uh, Joe, Joel Osteen sailed his yacht through the Houston floodwaters, passing out copies of your best life. Now, the Babylon Bee is a parody Christian news website, much like the Onion. And the, the website Snopes.com, the fact-checking website, it fact-checked 
the parody website becoming in and of itself a parody. Yes, and they took it seriously. They treated the Babylon Bee news story of Joel Osteen selling, sailing his yacht around, passing out copies of his book as if it was true. Absolutely insane. So Sheriff Clark in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, has resigned today, um, stepping out. Interestingly, he's been looking for an appointment in the Trump White House. Not sure that's actually going to happen. From Fox News, County Clerk George Christensen says he received Sheriff Clark's resignation letter, um, but no reason for the move was provided. Uh, In June, he announced he'd rescinded his acceptance of a Homeland Security post that followed an initial acceptance as of a job as assistant secretary in the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Public Engagement. Um, uh, We'll see. Um, He's been hit with all sorts of attacks by the left. He's a fairly high-profile guy, uh, better than Arpaio. But I just, I got to tell you guys something. And it just you feel free to disagree with me. This is not some sort of um, binding theological point on which there can be no dissent. But I, I just I have increasingly become skeptical well before uh, the rise of uh, President Trump or anything like that. I I become skeptical of a lot of government officials who have cult followings. I really have. Uh, Clark and Arpaio uh, come to mind. Alan West comes to mind. Um, you get these guys who they, they take on larger than life persona. You're like, who the hell is this person? It's not like they're in the Senate or anything like that. Uh, they're not statewide. Like there's some sheriff somewhere and suddenly they're, they're a, a cause celeb among celebrities and I, I are among conservatives. We just conservatives for so long, Issued the idea of a cult of personality. We tried not to have cults of personality. We looked at the rise of Barack Obama and we pointed and we laughed and we said, there, there is a cult of personality. And yet people on the right buy into these cults of personality themselves. And it can be so disappointing and so many people disaffected. And what I find is that when you gravitate toward the person Instead of the principle, it's at some point becomes possible for you to turn on the person and then you get burned out. You you poured your heart out for this person, your, your life's work. You've dedicated yourself to this person, not to a cause, not to an idea, but to a person. You A person has become a cause. And then what happens when they disappoint you? Well, it, it's for naught. You become depressed. I just, I, I think we as conservatives would do ourselves a big favor if we actually rallied around principles. You know, that reminds me, just as a random aside, I wasn't going to go there, but I will. I have started working on a resurgent conference. Uh, We used to do the Red State Gathering. When I left Red State, they tried for a year to do the Red State Gathering, and it collapsed. Most of the speakers and and all the sponsors said if I went there, they weren't going to come. Uh, and I just had personal relationships that I developed with them over time. And so they didn't want to do anything with it. Um, well, yeah, my buddy Fred says we call ourselves the party of Reagan. We, we, we do have a cult of personality problem. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. But nonetheless, 
So I just I, I think it's time for conservatives to get back into focusing on ideas. And so I, I'm I have started developing this conference. We're going to do it here in Atlanta. I've decided uh, where we're going to bring in people. Um, it, it's not about the president. I don't care whether you're for the president or against the president. If you consider yourself a conservative a pro-Trump conservative, a, an indifferent Trump conservative, a sometimes Trump conservative, an anti-Trump conservative, as long as you're actually conservative, uh, a conference where instead of focusing on on personalities, instead of focusing on the president, instead of focusing on, oh, Ted Cruz is awesome or he's bad or, or, or Marco Rubio or Rand Paul or Mike Lee or Jim Jordan or Mark Meadows or the president or anybody, the ideas, because the ideas matter. The people will go, the ideas remain. Uh, so we're going to start working on building this conference on conservative ideas. We're going to do it here in Atlanta. Um, subscribe to the show notes if you want, because I'll keep people posted through that. You can text WSB to 444-999. Fred texting me, the cost of the conference toward the end and after you left made it impossible and practical. Yes, uh, it did. The the cost. That's the other thing we want to we want to get a lot of uh, sponsors this time for this resurgent conference so that it d- not funded on the back of the attendees. Uh, one of the things that I want to do with this conference as an aside is uh, we have as conservatives, we have let slip uh, tech policy. And I, so I have actually reached out to a number of the tech companies out there, not Google, but the rest, uh, about being sponsors and, and bring in Mark Zuckerberg and have a conversation about how Facebook uh, monitors speech on Facebook and its biases against conservatives. Uh, he doesn't think there are some conservatives think they do have that conversation, uh, have conversations about privacy and net neutrality and, and why what's good and what's bad. Uh, Google, I think, though, is becoming a nefarious corporation. I have never trusted Google. I am an Apple person, uh, and I don't much care for Apple's political activism, but I know they trust my privacy enough to keep that stuff safe. And, and Google, you, I am I am not Google's customer, and neither are you. If you use Google, you need to understand this. You are not Google's customer. You are Google's merchandise. Because Google sells you to businesses. I mean, you are the product. You're, you're not the customer. Google's customers are advertisers. That's where Google gets its money. Google doesn't, you don't get money. You don't pay Google to use Gmail. Google puts ads in Gmail and makes money off the advertisers. And you are the product. You are the, you are the guinea pigs. Uh, and, and they can't uh, embrace your privacy. So I just, um, I, I want to reach out to tech leaders to do this. When we come back, there's actually a huge Google scandal. I meant to talk about it yesterday. This actually affects you uh, very much so. Uh, if you think that Google would never have the audacity to shut down conservatives on the internet, <laughs> I got a story you need to hear. I'm going to read y'all a story and some of y'all are going to get mad at me because you're going to misunderstand what I'm saying. <laughs> and I know it going into this story and I'm still going to do it. Uh, phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Out in Oregon, a couple is having to, under court order, cut their dog's vocal cords, debark their dogs. The couple has Tibetan Mastiffs 
They own three acres uh, somewhere in Oregon, and they claim that they run a farm on this three acres. The problem is that all of their neighbors around their three acres are kept up all night long by their dogs barking. And the neighbors have been complaining for years. And um, in 2012, neighbors filed suit. And then more neighbors filed suit. And more neighbors filed suit. They all had enough. And this couple says that uh, their dogs are working dogs. They treat them as employees. And so they can't be made to to cut the vocal cords of their employees. Uh, they have sheep on their three acres, and they want the dogs to keep them safe. Well, it, 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 the court it, on appeal, the Oregon Court of Appeals has said, you know, you gotta you gotta cut the vocal cords. I don't have a problem with this, and I know that's going to make some of you mad, but let me explain why. They should just put on collars on the dogs and train the dogs not to bark, but the couple has refused to do that. Maybe now they will do that, and the court said they would allow them to do that if they did it, but they've refused. Something's got to give here for the neighbors. I knew I was treading on dangerous territory, bringing up the story about the dog. <laughs> okay, if uh, I'm going to have to reboot with this before I get to the Google story, let let me let me redo that. And I'm only I'm only taking one call. If you're not on the if you're not on yet, don't call about the dog. I'm taking one call. People worked up about what I said. So, an Oregon court of appeals has ordered a couple to debark their dogs, meaning cut their vocal cords. Let me explain the facts to you. This couple lives in Rogue River, Oregon, on three acres. Starting in 2004, the county started citing um, the county code, giving them tickets by allowing the dogs to bark at length. Neighbors have been complaining for years, but the couple who live here with the dogs, they have Tibetan Mastiffs, they have 3.4 acres of land, they have sheep, goats, chickens, no roosters, and they claim they're running a farm on 3.4 acres. And a local court, after... A bunch of neighbors, basically all of their neighbors sued them. The court told them they could put a training collar on the dogs to get them to stop barking. Or they could cut their vocal cords if they weren't going to stop the dogs barking. The couple chose option C, ignore the court. And so it has gone on and on and on and on. Uh, now there are six dogs and none of the dogs know when to stop barking. They bark at 2 a.m. They bark at 5 a.m. They keep all of the neighbors up. Neighbors have moved. Uh, everyone has had enough. The county has had enough. And the courts are now ordering them to debark the dogs, to cut their vocal cords, which, by the way, you should know six states prohibited altogether. 
it is not a, a not a recommended surgery. It, it is it's a terrible thing to do to your dogs, and it should not be done. And I'm okay with the court ordering to do this. Why? Because you got neighbors. You got to be neighborly. These dogs bark constantly, all day and all night. The neighbors were there before the dogs were there. They've ruined the quality of life for all of their neighbors. And all they have to do is train their dogs. Oh, that's all they had to do. Train their dogs to not bark all night long. It's possible. I know I have a dog. It's been done with our dog. And yet they refuse to do anything. They have refused everything. Now, that's that's the only reason I think this is it's horrible surgery. They they shouldn't do they should train their dogs. They should love their dogs enough to train their dogs not to bark. But they don't want to do that. Uh, this is the last resort. People have had enough. Now I'm only taking one call, and I am going to take the call of Samantha in Canton. Samantha, you're it. You're the only person I'm allowing, and well, have awesome. at it. <laughs> So my problem is not that something should be done about the dogs. My problem is once you allow the government to tell you that you have to give your dog surgery, where does that stop? Where and then where does it lead? Like if the government can tell you that you need to put a surgery on, or to do a surgery on your dog to get them debarked, do they also get to tell you that you now have to fix your dog? And then does it go further? What happens when your kid is an unruly child? Right. Well, it, listen, I, I'm there? totally sympathetic to your argument. The, the way I see it, though, is that they were given umpteen chances since 2002 to train their dogs not to bark, and they refused. Right. So uh, we should do the same thing that they do with kids. When you tell a parent enough times you need to take care of your child, take the dogs take away. Take the parent away. Take the dogs away. Yes. Don't punish the dogs for yeah, Okay, so... People interestingly enough there is a reason that they're not allowed to do that and it's because of the working uh, no actually and a a buddy of mine texted me this when we were talking about this article Uh, in oregon if you don't treat your child well your child can be taken away from you but if you don't treat your dog well they're not allowed to take your dog away from you under oregon law so this is the only this is the only thing they can do. I, I am I would totally be there with you, Samantha. Totally, that's what they should do. But they're not allowed to under the law out there apparently. And that's even the court order says that they 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 got to do something, and they don't want to do this. But there's just literally no other option they can do at this point because the couple won't do it. It just makes me so angry on behalf of the dogs that this couple just won't train the dogs to stop barking it's doable Uh, i just got a text from another friend of mine who says that uh that's not true in oregon about the law but the order from the court uh you can get it online from the oregon court of appeals makes that point that they can't uh take the dogs away from the family under oregon law um it's just i one i can't believe i'm talking about the story on air this long uh, and thank you samantha for your point because i am extremely sympathetic to it they, they should not have to cut the vocal cords of this dog you know we, we had a bark collar for our dog and it got a very mild ta- it was it was a startling it wasn't a shock tap it didn't hurt our dog you could put it on your wrist and you feel it just felt weird threw you off your game um and it it, it taught our dog not to bark out of turn where to bark when to bark that's all they had to do 
And that's what all the neighbors argued. Okay, you've got sheep on this 3.4 acres. You want your dogs to keep the sheep safe, train them to bark when the sheep are in trouble, but otherwise don't. And I'll tell you why I have a pet peeve with this one. <laughs> Christy and I, in our old house, we lived next to a couple that had chickens. And this is a thing now. you got a bunch of people. It's like the 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 uh, essential oils cult. Uh, I'm sorry. I just defended half my audience. <laughs> Come on. You know, it, it, in churches now, like ha- half the half the people in churches now have gotten into essential oils as cure-alls for everything. You got psoriasis, essential oil. You got cancer, essential oil. You got, um, you, you got uh, ED, essential oil. There's an essential oil for everything. I just, it is the craziest thing. I really, I am offending everyone tonight. <laughs> But so, so we, we, we lived here and the couple next door, they, they had rooster with their chickens and Christy is nine months pregnant. And this stupid rooster is waking us up at four and five o'clock in the morning. And after we have Evelyn, the rooster is waking Evelyn up. And I found Christy one morning outside with a hose, shooting it across our, through our yard, through the fence, trying to hit the rooster to get the rooster to shut up. We had enough. Um, my wife's boss at the time, nicest man you'll ever meet, told us that we should like kidnap the rooster and then take them a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store and tell them that was the rooster. Maybe they would get the point. But I just listen. You're supposed to be a good neighbor. I mean, you, you've got neighbors. Uh, you can't be so self-centered to think that uh, it's all about me. You have people around you. You live in a community. Uh, you've you got to be good to your neighbors. If you've got annoying dogs that are barking nonstop 24-7, you need to do something about it. If you've got a rooster that's annoying people, you need to do something about it. If your house is falling apart, lowering the property values of your neighbors, you need to do something about it. We all have obligations. We may be rugged individualists, but we live in communities, and we're supposed to help each other out, and we're not supposed to be jerks to our neighbors. And having six mastiffs that bark 24-7, ruining the quality of life of your neighbors, I say would qualify as being jerks. And unfortunately, the courts have had to go to desperate measures because this couple won't just do the measly act of training their dogs when to bark. I just, that, it makes me angry for those dogs. They should be taken out of that house. They absolutely should. The The child welfare agency should treat those dogs like children and, and take them away to a better life somewhere else. It is 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Now through Monday, you can get incredible savings on Mattress Firm's Labor Day sales. All mattresses are on sale. And listen up, starting tomorrow through Monday, you can shop early for huge door buster deals like 50% off Beautyrest Recharge mattresses. Previously $1,149.99. Now just $574.49 while supplies last. And you get a free pillow. Every mattress is on sale. You can save on Hampton Roads mattresses ranging from $99.99, $199.99, and $299.99. With over 15 mattresses, uh, queen-size mattresses, under $699.99, there is something for everyone. Uh, you can go in and get the Beautyrest Black Hybrid. That's multi-touch, the memory foam mattress and pocketed coils. It's what I sleep on. 
and I got my mattress from several years ago, so they've even got better quality now, newer foam technology and whatnot. It it gives you a good night's sleep, folks. You want a great mattress and a great deal on a great mattress? Get into Mattress Firm today, or better yet, tomorrow, when the sales are even better through the weekend, through Monday with Labor Day. As for Labor Day, so our 12-year-old's birthday was Monday. She turned 12. She came home from school sick, or she got sick that morning. Wound up taking her to the doctor. She had a sinus infection. That afternoon, the 8-year-old called home from school saying he wasn't feeling good. He came home. Uh, I guess that was Tuesday, actually. And then Christy started throwing up. Uh, Christy's been and the dog started throwing up. I am the only person in this house who has not been sick this week. The dog's been sick. My wife's been sick and the kids both have sinus infections, sinus infections enough, bad enough, even though they're on medicine that, uh, went to the doctor today and he said they can't go to school tomorrow. I may need to have like some sort of special emergency trip that gets me to Atlanta tomorrow. <laughs> Get me out of the house. Uh, yeah, we were going to take for the 12 year old, her birthday final part of her birthday present was a shopping trip this weekend where she could, we'd take her to Linux or something and let her perimeter mall and let her spend her birthday money. But that's not going to happen now. She's going to stay in bed and rest. Okay. When we come back, Google, we got to talk about Google. You need to hear the story about Google. One side bit about Google is a conservative website. I don't know what story they posted. I really don't. Um, I hope I'm not defending a site that put up some defense of the alt-right. But nonetheless, a conservative website had a piece up, and someone complained to Google about it. And Google sent this site a letter and said, uh, your content offends people. If you don't take your content, if you don't take this particular post down, you can't run it, get ad money from Google anymore. Now, y'all, it is only a matter of time before Google starts doing that to conservatives in general, particularly evangelical Christians. I mean, look at the outrage over the Nashville statement. It, it says things that are 2,000 years old and haven't changed and suddenly it's bigoted and hateful. It is only a matter of time before Google starts targeting conservatives and Christians and Anyone else, let alone in the search engine, suddenly your site doesn't show up in Google because the, the liberals at Google don't like you. But what they've done to the left now, they've even gone after the left. It is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB, and the radar right now is clear. Thank goodness. Google is the one technology company that I think conservatives and liberals alike should be concerned with. And the reason I say that is because Google, which its motto is don't be evil, has clearly decided that it gets to decide what is and is not evil. It has decided that it is pure and true, and it gets to decide what is and is not. And that's a problem. When a company or any individual does that outside of a, an objective standard, I would say a biblical standard, decides what is good or evil, um, more often than not what you find is that what is reflected in the world is considered good, what is reflected in God is considered evil, because we're all sinners. Uh, more troubling with Google is that Google is a company with a profit motive. 
And Google seems increasingly to be deciding that what is evil is anything that interferes with its profit motive. The New America Foundation is a liberal think tank. It is not conservative. And inside this liberal think tank, it has a, an organization called, I believe it's the Open Market uh, Foundation or some such. And it is a liberal think tank dedicated to highlighting the atrocities of the free market. Although they don't say it that way. They say it's dedicated to uh, to, to fostering free market with, with effective government regulation or whatnot. It, it basically, they don't like the free market. Well, Google has run afoul of European regulators, antitrust regulators, and they've run afoul for a legitimate reason. It's not just Europeans being European. What the European regulators found is that Google prioritizes in its search. It has a near monopoly control of search. And in searches, Google prioritizes its own products over those of its competitors including those of its advertisers. So you, for example, can pay Google to promote your product, uh, but if Google wants, has a competing product, Google can elevate its products over yours, even if yours are better, or even if yours are paid. When you have a monopoly, and Google by and large has a monopoly, you can't do that. It is unfair restraint of trade. You are denying people alternatives. And the Europeans have smacked Google down to the tune of several billion dollars, I believe it was. Well, the Open Markets Institute in the New America Foundation wrote in praise of what the European Union had done. There's a problem. Google has given money to this left-wing think tank. I'm not aware of Google giving money to right-wing think tanks, but Google has pretty much propped up entirely on its own this left-wing think tank. And guess what? Google was unhappy that the Open Markets Institute within the New America Foundation said anything supportive of the EU's decision. So Eric Schmidt, the CEO of Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, called and complained to Anne-Marie Slaughter, the, um, the executive director or the CEO or whatever, the New America Foundation. The entire organization, the Open Markets Institute, has been shut down now. Their entire staff fired, gone. They are out of there because they dared criticize Google. I, I, you know, I still haven't been to the SunTrust Stadium. I got to go there now and a Mercedes Benz. Okay. So listen, Google can spend money wherever it wants to spend money. And if it wants to buy a think tank, it can buy a think tank. My problem is that Google is trying to shape public opinion without its fingerprints so that you never know that Google's fingerprints, we would never know except the Open Markets Institute employees who have been fired have spoken out and said they were fired because Google demanded they be fired. You couple that behavior with Google's control of search. Google has a more than, I want to say, 70%, if not 80% of market share for search in this country. Well, Google's run by a bunch of liberals. So take the Nashville statement. What if Google decides that the Nashville statement of hate is hate rhetoric, like all the, the, the non-Christians like the Episcopalians say? Well, what are they going to do? They're going to devalue it on search. How are you ever going to be able to find it? They're already doing this with climate skeptics, uh, the climate change skeptics, uh, websites that may 
believe in global warming, but not necessarily that humanity is the chief cause, they're devalued in Google searches. What about conservatives? I mean, what, what about any help they gave Hillary Clinton's? I am convinced that Google was trying to influence the election through how searches came up for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. They have gotten that much authority. And do you know, by the way, Google is going to spend more money on lobbying in Washington, D.C. this year than any other company. They're going to spend more than Apple, more than Exxon, more than the Koch brothers, all to shape public policy to their benefit. We are rapidly reaching a time where American antitrust agents need to do to Google what they did to Microsoft. If Google controls the information, you see what they want you to see. And we have more and more growing evidence that Google is hostile to conservatives. We have more and more growing evidence that Google is willing to adjust its algorithm to highlight things it likes and downplay things it doesn't like. And we have more and more evidence that Google is trying to control the information you get through think tanks, through public policy channels. This isn't a good thing. Other businesses are being hurt. I mean, we've got a situation now where you can run a website that provides information. Like one of the um, websites about actors and actresses that, that's going out of business. They were providing information. You put in, for example, um, uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond. You put in Daniel Craig's name, and this website was the one that was coming up first, and you could find out all about Daniel Craig. Well, now you type in Daniel Craig and Google, and Google displays on Google's play page the information from that website without giving that website credit, without giving that website ad revenue. And as a result, the, the website's gone out of business or is going out of business. Because of Google's practices that are anti-competitive practices, Google is limiting limiting competition. It's limiting your access to information. And it's going to make it harder as time goes on for conservatives and particularly Christian conservatives to be able to have access to information that reflects their worldview because Google believes that their worldview is hateful. Just watch. It's not the dome anymore. 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here in WSB. The Republicans are trying to kill the president's border wall. Now, that's not how the media is reporting it at the moment. The media says that Republicans want to take a billion dollars out of the disaster relief accounts. They've had, they set aside a billion dollars over time to pay for natural disaster relief, like what's happening in Texas with Harvey and that they're going to take a billion dollars out of that fund to pay for the president's border wall. So why am I telling you that they want to kill the border wall? Well, just think about this for a minute. Do the Republicans really want the black eye that they're going to get from the media for taking money away from Hurricane Harvey? Or are they setting up the president for failure? knowing that they're putting the president in a situation where he's going to have to choose between a border wall or helping the people of Texas. That's what's going on here. They want the president to have to choose. They want the president to have to say, well, I guess we can't have the border wall because we got to take care of the people of Harvard. That's exactly what the Republicans are doing. Don't believe otherwise. Don't believe they're nonsense. This is the president of the United States being set up to fail by Republicans in Congress. The Republicans in Congress do not want... A border wall. They, they do not want it. They want nothing to do with it. You need to understand that. 
They have campaigned for years on securing the border, much like they campaigned for years on repealing Obamacare. And neither one of them have they ever really wanted to do it. And so now what they're trying to do to get out of being exposed as the losers and liars they are is to set the president up for failure, to say, well, we got a choice now. We can either help the people of Texas with the hurricane or we can build the border wall. Your choice, Mr. President. They can do both if they put their mind to it.